Welcome to the Rudy Runback. I'm your host, Jeff Rohn, and I have a great interview for you guys today. Head coach of Bryant University football, Coach Chris Merritt, and I'm happy to bring to you an RI Sports-focused podcast. We will deep dive into our high school, college, and other sports programs across our great state of Rhode Island. Here we go. Welcome to the Roadie Runback, Episode 7, and I have a great interview for you guys today with the head coach of Bryant University Football, Coach Chris Merritt. A lot of fun talking to Coach Merritt about his career, the outlook of Bryant football, and some things he likes to do outside of football. A lot of fun talking to him, and you know, Brian's really lucky to have him as a head coach because he's about to put Bryant football back on the map and on the nation's map as well, too. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to our interview as I talk to him. But before I get into the interview, just a reminder to you guys, listen, you can watch the interview on YouTube. Uh, just search the Roadie Runback and all episodes will pop up and you can watch all all interviews that have been done already and um, including this one. So yeah, definitely look it up on YouTube. Go and search the Roadie Runback. But also as well too, I want to fake... The listeners out there and the people who watch who have watched YouTube, you guys have actually put me at 500 listeners and in, in a month. Um, I'm I'm ecstatic. I I'm so pumped up. I and I, I didn't think this was possible when I started this podcast. It was one step at a time. Take your time. You know I didn't you know gain the listeners as you go, but you know I can't thank you guys enough. We're at 500 listeners. That's huge. That's huge in less than, you know, in, in just over a month of just releasing this podcast. Um, you, the fans out there, and you, the audience out there, have been absolutely amazing. Um, keep leaving reviews, subscribing, um, and sharing out there. It really means a lot to me, and I'm sure it really means a lot to these coaches that I am interviewing, along with the players that I will be interviewing going forward. So you guys are just absolutely awesome out there. You guys are the best. Um, without you, this podcast doesn't continue to grow. And um, yeah, you guys are awesome. Uh, also, going forward, when I have, I'm going to start doing outlooks on seasons um, for more of the winter sports, and when more things are reassured. Um, when those outlooks happen, and I interview those coaches, I'm going to release who I'm interviewing. And then I want the audience to interact. So what I'm offering to you guys is a free t-shirt or a gift card to Amazon or a hat. If you can give me a great question to ask the coach that I'm interviewing, whether it's the high school coach, a high school coach of a basketball team or a high school, you know, coach of a soccer team, um, high school coach of a baseball team, a golf team, you know, or a college coach of a winter sport and their outlook on everything. Um, but if you guys can, you know, ant- interact and you can give me some good questions, I will pick the, the question I think is the best and we'll send that person a t-shirt, a hat, or a gift card. So, you know, it'd be great to interact. So I will be releasing those on our social media pages. So they're on Instagram and Twitter. They're, you know, our, our, uh, wow. Our uh, Instagram is at the Roadie Runback. Twitter's at the Roadie Runback, and um, you can find us on Facebook as a group at, at the it's the Roadie Runback as well too. 
so would appreciate that if you guys interact you guys will be getting free t-shirts a lot of great interviews coming up so it's gonna be a lot of fun but this interview today's interview is a great one so i definitely highly suggest you guys listen or watch whatever you can do i really like i said i really appreciate you fans for just taking times out of your day uh and listen to these interviews so much fun and this has been a ride and it's going to continue to grow thank you guys a lot but before we get into our interview with Coach Merritt, just some things I want to talk about real quick. One, the Boston Celtics have advanced the conference finals against the Miami Heat. Um, not surprised that the Boston Celtics made the conference finals. I picked them to go pretty far. I don't know what other NBA fans did, but I'm kind of surprised that they're playing the Miami Heat. I was expecting Milwaukee Bucks. So this matchup is going to be great. You know, defensively, offensively, Miami's had a lot of great shooters. Boston's got a lot of star power. Um, Jimmy Butler's playing out of his mind right now for the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat's team's playing really well as a team. Tyler Hero, a great rookie, shooting the ball really, really well. And then you got the Boston Celtics on the other end who are just playing defensively, playing really well. Marcus Marks playing excellent for the Boston Celtics. Um, and then you also have, you know, Tatum, and Kimba and see if Kimba can bounce back from not so much of a good series against Toronto and then hopefully Gordon Hayward comes back for Boston so you know I, I'm predicting this series is going to go six um, I think Boston does win it but I think it's going to be a close six games I think each I think we're going to see an overtime game for sure um, but I think Boston advances to the finals on the other end the Western Conference um, the Lakers have made the Western Conference finals they beat the Rockets pretty easily. Uh, tough if you're Rockets fans, right? But you know the Rockets play really small ball. They're they're average height six five. Their center is six five, and when Anthony Davis is might be one of the best centers in the league, he's dominating. And LeBron's playing well. And then you got playoff Rondo. I mean, it's a tough team to stop. Uh, I'm not surprised that they made it this far. Um, but it's interesting who their opponent's going to be because the Clippers and the Nuggets are going have gone set are going seven. Um, the Clippers tied it up. I'm really shocked that the Clippers. I mean, the Nuggets tied it up. I apologize. I'm really shocked that the Nuggets tied it up. I'm pretty sure the Clippers are up three one. Now the series is tied three three. This is exactly what the Nuggets did to the Jazz. They fell down three one, came back, tied it up the series, and won. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really shocked. I think that the Clippers are a better team than that. Um, they're just deep. But the Nuggets are, are young and hungry and showing what they're made of. And it's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be a great next game. I mean, in Game 7, we'll see what happens. I mean, it sucks if you're a Clippers fan with all these high hopes. And we have you have the two, two of the best wing defenders in the game. And... I don't know. You, you you don't know what to expect, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I believe both of the teams play on Tuesday, so we'll see. I mean, I, I'm you know play against each other on Tuesday. I think both games are going on Tuesday, which is what I meant to say for uh, the, the Miami and the Celtics play on Tuesday, and then the Clippers and the Nuggets play on Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Game Seven for Clippers Nuggets. But I think NBA ball has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, great, great competitiveness. A lot of fun. Great defense. If you're a basketball fan, you definitely love it. But we also had some other sports going on this weekend. College football is almost back in the full swing of things. 
no Big Ten, no Pac-12, but there are conferences playing, the SEC, the Big 12. Um, yeah, it's been, that's been some upsets. Iowa State lost uh, to, I don't even know, Louisiana, I think it was. So it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, college football's back and back in the full swing of things. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if other conferences start to join in. We'll see if the Big Ten joins in. I know there's some protesting going on. I mentioned it in my last episode. But it's been really, really weird with other conferences jumping around. I don't know how you define a real champion or anything like that. And then it's weird because the the top 25 rankings still include Big Ten and Pac-12 schools in it. So... We'll see what happens there. I mean, I can guarantee we'll see the Big Ten coming back into it and Pac-12 coming back into it by the end of October. I think that's when we'll see them start to play all conference games. And Yeah, it's been crazy. And then the NFL also started back up this past weekend. Uh, Cam Newton looked great for the New England Patriots. And San Francisco 49ers lost. Uh, Tom Brady didn't look very good in Tampa Bay. But, you know, still early for Tom Brady. Can't really ever count him out. But Drew Brees looked great as well. The Saints look awesome. They look like they're a playoff team already or a Super Bowl team. Aaron Rodgers looked awesome. So football and sports and basketball and MLB is all back in the full swing. It's crazy to have, you know, all power four conferences going on. But... You know, it has happened in the past, but it's just, I feel like with the NBA playoffs going on right now on top of like the beginning of the NFL season, it's really funny to have that happen. Um, you know, that's probably once in a lifetime thing, maybe twice in a lifetime thing if something else like this happens. But it's been awesome. It's been great to get our minds off of the pandemic and just keeping us focused on different things that's going on that you know keeping us focused on sports and you know outside of like you know work and the pandemic it's been awesome to have sports back and the full swing of sports back it's it's nice get get our minds off of everything uh no high school updates yet um nothing i haven't heard back from the rhode island interscholastically but hopefully i hear back from soon i'm really pushing for that interview because i want to hear what they have to say about things and how they're handling things it would be great interview for them but uh, now that's all I really have to say. But I really want to get into the interview with Coach Merritt. Awesome interview with Coach Merritt, the head coach of Bryant University's football. Um, just so much fun talking to him. Just a great guy. And I think he's really going to help put Bryant football back on the map and win some championships for Bryant football. So here is Coach Chris Merritt, the head coach of Bryant University football. On today's podcast, I welcome on a very special coach, a guest. Well, it's the head coach of Bryant Football, Coach Chris Merritt. Coach, how are you today? Well, Jeff, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. How are you doing during these COVID times and everything that's going on? Well, we're, we're getting through it, and it's uh, got the guys back on campus this week, and a lot of fun to go around and give virtual punches on chests and, and see you guys, and uh, they're, they're excited to be back on campus, and we're just going to take it slowly, and we'll get them started here soon. That's great. Yeah, it's nice to at least have them on campus so we can keep in touch with them and, uh, you know, be able to meet, meet the faces without the Zoom and everything like that, right? Yeah, I mean, the last time we got a chance to see these guys, uh, it, it was our incoming freshmen that were there on, our, on their official visits, but it was also our uh, 
upperclassmen that we had a dinner with the Thursday night before spring break in middle of March. Wow. And, uh, you know, they, they never came back. So she's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to get everybody on campus, got 117 faces and you can tell they're excited. They, they, they did things the right way in the, in the break. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a lot of faces to, <laughs> to keep up with, but that's, that's awesome. I'm glad that you guys are all back on campus and hopefully at some point we can get back to some normalcy here. Awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, all right, coach, before I get, ask you some questions about Brian and the season, I want to, I want to ask you some questions about your background and, you know, how, how did you get started playing football and when did you realize that football was like your love and your sport? Well, I was the little brother. My, my father was my first coach. Uh, he was a youth football coach and he had some assistant coaches that were some all time IU greats, Indiana university greats. I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. And uh, found out real quick that I wasn't good at the local sport, which is basketball. So, <laughs> uh, you know, be, being a little brother and a hardhead, uh, you know, football is a natural sport for me. And my my dad actually, uh, back in those days, he actually took some white out and changed my birth certificate so I could start playing a year earlier because he knew he had to let me get some of that energy out. So uh, that was at the age of seven. And that's what I was just telling you. It's been 44 years since I've not been involved in a fall season in one way or the other and um that's a different feel yeah i was gonna say that's that's got to be a big change of life and pace for you it's been that's been your whole life being part of football and everything <laughs> that's about yeah, that's crazy how did you and now you played at indiana university uh read that you you actually walked on but you ended up becoming a captain of special teams how do you decide get to going to indiana or is it just there or? it was my hometown my father worked for the university um, it's where I was born and raised. I grew up in the stands. Uh, I got the opportunity to be recruited uh, and, and go to some smaller programs. But, uh, uh, you know, at, at that time, Indiana was new head coach and, and Coach Mallory. And, and uh, I just I, I wanted to play that level. And um, so I took the opportunity to become a, a walk on. And after that first year, uh, coach gave me a scholarship and uh, the rest is history, I guess. I got the I was a four-year letterman and really enjoyed the experience playing the Big Ten against some of the all-time greats. So Yeah, I was gonna say, what what was that experience like just going against like Ohio States and Michigans and the Big Ten? Like well, first off, in practice, you know, my just just to throw some names at you, my quarterback was Trent Green. Okay. So I had him in practice every single day, and then we had two Heisman finalists, uh, and Anthony Thompson and Vaughn Dunbar back to back. Wow. Who, were great running backs, obviously, at that time in college football. So, um, you know, that and then on Saturdays, by the way, I got to play against uh, some of the greats across, uh, you know, across the Big Ten, whether it was Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State at the time and um, Iowa, you know, all these uh, programs when, when the Big Ten was really just 10 teams. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun and, and took a lot of pride in it. That's awesome. That's that'd be That's an experience that – that will I'll probably always stick with you, right? And I'm like just playing with all those guys and everything like that, right? <laughs> no, no question about it. I, I, every single guy that I played with at my position was drafted. And so, you know, I, Coach Mao did a great job in recruiting and it was there where I really kind of developed my, my, my ideology as a, as a football coach. It was there that I decided that I wanted to be a football coach down the line because I, I wasn't the most athletic guy in my spot. And, and to compete, I had to know more than everybody else. And, um, uh, which forced me to become more of a student of the game and 
you know, I just, I, I fell in love with it. And I really don't feel I've had a job yet since, since graduating. It's just, I get, I pay the mortgage with football. That's awesome. That's great. I'm kind of jealous about that. <laughs> That's awesome that you've had something that you love and that you do. Um, and you, you, like you said, you got into coach, you decided to get into coaching when you were at Indiana. Well, in your first time, first job was at Eastern Illinois. How did you get set up with that position? Coach Mallory, you know, this uh, was a late opening on the staff at Eastern Illinois. Uh, it was at the time where college football went from five GAs to two. And so I kind of missed out on the boat there. I couldn't uh, uh, get a GA spot. And that's usually how you enter into college coaching. And, and um, uh, they had a restricted earning spot at Eastern Illinois that Coach Spoo at the time was the head coach there. Um, contacted uh, Coach Mallory and they threw my name around. And two weeks later, I was in Charleston, Illinois. That's awesome. That's great. That's amazing. And you went from Illinois. I'm like, what did you learn at Eastern Illinois that you brought with you? You started coaching overseas, right? Yeah, I, you know, at, at Eastern Illinois, it was a it was an induction in, into college football and coaching. First off, as a kid, as a player, you don't understand the amount of hours that coaches put in until uh, you actually have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was an eye opener for me. Um, also, I was very fortunate in Indiana. We we were very successful there. We had uh, went to three bowl games. Um, Coach Mal ran a, a, a very successful program. And my first year in college coaching, uh, we went three seven and one. So I, I I saw a side of college football I hadn't experienced yet, even as a player, and that taught you a lot as well. And um, it, it was from Eastern Illinois where where I learned how important loyalty was on the staff and loyalty is period uh, in, in, in the world of college football. Cause let's face it, college football coaches, they're all alpha males and, and yeah. everybody has their own dogma. Everybody thinks their way is best, but uh, you know, loyalty to one another. Uh, it's harder to preach it as a coaching staff. If you expect your players to have it for you as well. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that I think loyalty is, one that a lot of people don't think really use as much. And I think that's amazing that you said loyalty and just having that there and being able to develop that. And you went over and you coached overseas. What, what was that like? Yeah, that was a strange deal. You know, even though I lettered all four years at Indiana and, and I played, um, I, I didn't play enough. And uh, so when I got the opportunity at first, it was to go play over in Europe. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I was single, didn't have any kids. Uh, let's you know, you're not going to get this opportunity. So I went and I played it first um, over in Sweden. And it was a great, great experience. Um, I came back and then just kept getting asked back over and um, eventually ended up with the Hamburg Blue Devils as the uh, defensive coordinator uh, in 1995, 96. And uh, probably one of the Probably one of the most inspirational stories that's never been told is, is in 1996, uh, I was the defensive coordinator of the Hamburg Blue Devils and our head coach, George White at the time, uh, suffered a, a heart attack in front of the team in the middle of the, the national championship playoffs. Oh, wow. And um, he passed away, uh, but we went on to, to play the following weekend and win the semifinal. And then we won the national championship uh, in front of about 20,000 fans the following week. And, um, that that was that that's where I probably would say I, I really cut my teeth as a coach because over there you're just a coach. There's no recruiting. There's no academics. There's no uh, high school. You know, it's none of that stuff. It's it's just being a football coach. And yeah. and so I was submerged in it for five straight years um, as a young coach with responsibility. 
um, became the interim head coach uh, when coach passed away um, and then uh, stayed on for another three years as the head coach before I came back to the States. Wow. That's crazy. Like um, how do you handle a situation like that when, you know, unfortunate situation with the coach passed away, how do you keep a team motivated with that? Well, the team motivation wasn't the hard part. You know, the hard part was never been in before. Uh, you know, listen, you, I think every adult can probably circle dates on their life calendar of when they became a man or, or uh, an adult. Yeah. Whether it's the birth of the child or, uh, you know, there's certain events in your life that take place. And, and, and having to call the wife and kids of, of a friend of yours that just passed away to let them know that what had happened. Yeah. Grow up really quick. And I was 25 at the time. Wow. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, it was the way that, that I think the, the staff responded and the team responded. And then, like I said, we went on to beat a team, uh, that was very good, uh, in the national championship game. And, and, uh, we let off some steam after that game. That's good. That's great. Yeah. And that's an unfortunate situation, but like you said, it turned you into a man. It was a, a, a moment that changed everything and just turned you guys into a championship team and led you to a head coaching position down the line. What was that? Now, what's the fans like over there? Are they big? Were they big football fans? How are they like? You'd be surprised. The, the situation that I, if, if you ever do a Google search for Hamburg Blue Devils in the late 90s uh, and you see some of the games that were played, you know, we had. My one of my last or my last game with Hamburg was the national championship uh, in front of thirty thousand fans. So, it, it they're they're soccer fans because that's what they are, and yeah. they never shut up. They never sit down. They're always <laughs> waving flags, um, but they're loyal as loyal can be. And um, it was a great great situation. It was a great opportunity for a young coach to be in. That's awesome. That's really cool. And that that league doesn't exist anymore because I I do remember watching some games on TV. They well, you're you're probably thinking of the your, the uh, uh, the, the World Football League. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the World Football League did cease to exist uh, a few years ago, but the GFL that the Blue Devils were in still does exist. It, what happened was the Hamburg Blue Devils were around uh, for several years, and when I left, uh, a year after I left, the, the NFL Europe came in and took over and became the Hamburg Sea Devils. Okay. They couldn't use Blue Devils because of the U.S. trademark and Duke and, and all that oh. stuff, so they they call them the Sea Devils, and then a couple of years later, the you know the, the whole league went defunct. Uh, the NFL stopped uh, funding it, uh, but the, the the German Football League is still going on. The Blue Devils are still around. That's awesome. Do you ever keep like tabs on them or watch any of their games? Well, I got a bunch of buddies of mine that are still over there, and of course they're all old like me now. So <laughs> they're uh, we, we stay in touch. That's awesome. That's great. And how did you? What was your decision to go back, come back to the states, and? Uh, be a DB's coach at Theo College? Well, you know, I, I understood that where I was was kind of a dead end in my profession. Yeah. I either had to resign myself to, to staying in Europe for the rest of my career, or if I wanted to get back into college coaching, uh, I had to come back to the States. And as it was, my father started to get ill, so I came back to the States. And, and Teal College had played over in Europe uh, the previous year, and they, the head coach there had seen us on TV. And we struck up a relationship there, and, and um, uh, when he called, when I just in conversation with him, uh, he's now the president at uh, St. Thomas University down in in uh, Miami, uh, ironically. But uh, he called and let me know he had an opportunity on his staff if I wanted to get back, and so I took it. You know, moved back to Pennsylvania and got in back into college football. Um, 
and uh, well, that's what led to where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you actually went, you made the transition to high school, right? At Columbus, Christopher Columbus High School down yep. in Florida. What was that transition like? What's it like going from the college level down to the high school level and like working and building like this program that you created down there? Well, after some time at Teal, the, the head coach uh, resigned. And so we found ourselves uh, in a situation where, um, you know, I could have stayed at, at the Division three school um, or I had some opportunities uh, as my family was growing, but I had some opportunities at some smaller schools. But uh, when I just took a stab in the dark, and I actually remember the day that I came home jokingly saying, hey, I, I put in my resume at a Catholic high school down in Miami. Yeah. And not knowing anything about the history or the background of the school. And it turns out Columbus High School uh, is a very well-known school in, in South Florida. It's the largest private school in the state of Florida uh, in 8A. Um, it was uh, 1,700 all boys. Um, Catholic uh, shirt and tie uniform school. It's where all the Greasies went. It's where all the Shulas went. Bonacani's, Alonzo Highsmith. They had a, a, a strong tradition because when the Dolphins were actually in Miami, they used to be in Miami. Even though they're called the Miami, they're in Fort Lauderdale right now. Yeah, they, yeah. they were in Miami. That's where all the Dolphin kids attended. Oh wow. That's why the Greasies went there. Bob Greasy's son Brian. You know, all, all the all three sons of the Greasies went there. All the all the Shulas. Yeah. Know, a couple of Shulas. Excuse me. The younger ones. Um, so these guys had, had, the school had a strong tradition and, um, uh, you know, I, I decided that, uh, you know, if I'm going to coach football, if I'm going to try to get into the higher levels of, of college football, I'm going to go where people go recruit and I'm going to be running around these college coaches all the time. And, and I expected to be there for three or four years and then 18 later, um, uh, <laughs> still there. So uh, it was a great opportunity. We produced uh, hundreds of kids into college football. Yeah. Uh, hundreds. Uh, I have a handful in the NFL right now. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, uh, I had a first round draft pick in CJ Henderson that went with uh, Jacksonville. Oh, wow. Uh, went to play to Florida. I had another kid, a second round pick, uh, Josh Uche, who's here with the Patriots uh, 20 minutes from here. Oh, wow. So, That's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a handful uh, of kids across the NFL right now and took a lot of pride in the job. That's that's amazing, Coach. You you did a, a wonderful job down there and read a lot about the program and it just seemed like it was like you went fourteen out of eighteen for state championships or for championships, correct? Yeah, we, we made it to the state championship. Uh it, but for me it was important that we probably some of the best compliments that we got from seasoned coaches down there was that we weren't a team, we were a program, because there's a difference. Yeah. You know? And um I think from from two thousand and five to the to the to the time I left. We were always in the mix. Um, we were always in the talk about the state championship game. Uh, we were in a very competitive uh, bracket. Um, you know, some of the names, you know, I, I, I can't, still can't believe some of the names that we played against. As high school kids that are, you know, they're all across the NFL right now. Yeah, so yeah. It was an exciting time, and, and uh, it's a great program, great school. And then the minute I leave, you know, they turn right around and win the state championship. So. <laughs> So very good. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So now you now you come to Bryant. What's the transition like coming to Bryant, going back to the college, a Division One college, and also what's the like moving to a Rhode Island, like such a small state where you can just drive to one end to the other end? <laughs> well, the cool part about Florida and Bryant, I ninety five runs right through it. Yeah, <laughs> so, just a different part of it, and. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, listen, I grew up in Indiana. For me, for me, uh, living in Miami for 18 years was uh, a pretty long vacation. Um, I missed the seasons. I, I truly did. And there was nothing more uh, exciting for, for my wife than for, you know, to see her face for the first time, uh, looking at the color changes here in the fall, especially. And uh, it's a great part of the country. Salt of the earth people around here. It truly is. Uh, it's a great, Brian's a, the people at Brian are awesome. You know, President Makeley, uh, uh, you know, it's just a genuine human being. And then Bill Smith, our athletic director, they're just good, good people. And they're football guys. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, President uh, Makeley resigned and retired. Uh, and then, uh, you know, President Gattel, I've yet to have the opportunity to have a chance to, to sit and meet with him. But just, just the people involved in the program and the school are awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Brian's a great, uh, great place, great Great college, great university. Um, had a great experience with an, an interview with another coach from Brian, uh, Phil Martelli Jr. Mm-hmm. Spoke with him. So for basketball, so it, was, it was awesome. But how now? How are you guys handling everything currently? With what's going on with coronavirus and you know with the season being on, on pause? Yeah, you know the the, the only way you're going to get away with this. We, we would be hypocrites as coaches if we didn't teach our kids about adversity and facing adversity and how you deal with it. Yeah. If we didn't do it a, a good job ourselves at it. And yeah, listen, the attitude has been great with the kids. It really has been. Um, they have done everything that we've asked them to do. Uh, most importantly, like I said, I just want to get them back on campus, see their faces uh, because we really felt um, after the way we ended the season last year and our workouts through the winter, um, that we really had things and we still have things going in the right direction. And these guys are excited to get back to work and, and start doing things. We did the best we could virtually, yeah. but nothing beats being able to walk out the back door onto that field and start playing and coaching football. I love it. I love it. That's such a football guy thing to say too. Just that like, like fresh cut grass, right? And just being able to get out there and just be hear the cleats clack across yeah. the locker room. Yep. <laughs> most most frustrating part about the last six months is uh, sitting behind a computer. You know, I'm not a computer guy. If I wanted to do that, I would gotten on the line of work. You know, I, I just, I, I to be honest with you, maybe this is selfish, but because of the group sizes we've got moving forward, you know, since we can't put all 120 kids on the field at one point, we're going to have to have two smaller practices. Oh. Well, some of the younger guys are, are bummed out about that. I'm like, I'm excited. I, that means I get to have another practice. I get to spend twice as much on the field. Yeah. That, that's why I do this. I, yeah. I don't do this to sit behind the desk and wear khakis. I do this because I like the sweaty grit in the back of the neck. I, I love blowing the whistle and, and getting and coaching football. And yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. That's amazing coach. I think Brian is just extremely lucky to have you because you know, they, they got something, a guy that's just so passionate about football and obviously that passion is going to, come come with the team and the the staff and the players are just going to feel that passion just I was going to run through a brick wall for you <laughs> well let me tell you what I'm excited I, I think we got things going the right direction you know what the transfer portal is uh yes I do yep well you know you look all across the landscape of college football and you can really tell a lot about the culture of a football program and by how many kids are in the portal there are some programs not too far from me that have got 20 plus kids in the portal. That, that, that blows me away. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm excited and proud of the fact that the loudest statement that our players can make without saying anything is that we have 120 kids in the roster, but we don't have anybody in the portal. That's amazing. That, it's, and it's got nothing to do with playing time. I mean, even the fourth string kid who 
you know, who, who hasn't been on the field yet and might not get on the field still wants to be here. So I, I think that, that that's a pretty, uh, pretty good indicator about how we treat the young men here um, and how they feel being the program and the culture we've got going right now. I love it. I love it, Coach. I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully this season gets back together. I would love to come to a game and experience that culture and so watch, watch you do your work and watch your team do work on the field. Uh, looking forward to it, man. Hopefully we get a spring season. Yeah, I hope so, too. I was going to ask, you know, what, you know, is there an outlook on the current season or with everything you're just kind of taking it day by day? No, we're, we're pushing to play in the spring. You know, even though October 1st is our, our you know, decision date on if we're going to do anything this fall, realistically, uh, you know, unless there's a big turn in, in a positive direction, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the total optimist in the world right now. Yeah. Okay? But the realistic, you know, the realist in me says, you know, uh, chances are we're going to be like the rest of college football and push for a spring season. And that's what we're going to try to do. Good. I, I hope, I hope everything works out that way. And, uh, you know, I hope we, you guys do good a spring season and looking forward to you guys getting back on the field and, you know, getting that, getting back out there and, Winning, winning some games in Rhode Island and maybe bringing a championship to Rhode Island. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's my goal. I love it. I got one last question for you that has nothing to do with football. What has been your favorite part of Rhode Island outside of football? Well, that is a real – because, you know, one of the last uh, – in the last six months, I've done more local exploring yep. um, than I ever thought that I would. You know, I, I, my, my wife, bless her heart, has found so many. Here, here's how small the world is. She, she ropes me into going to this uh, lavender farm about three months ago. Okay. And um, so what I did was, you know, I took my man card, laid it on the table, walked out the door with her, and, and we go down to this lavender farm. And, and, and in the parking lot, uh, this older gentleman that's parking cars has a, you can tell he's got a, a, a Hispanic or a Cuban accent. Yeah. He's English. She picks up on it right away and they start talking in Spanish and sure enough, he's from Miami and, oh. and we're thinking how small the world is. And he's telling us that his son uh, owns, he's an anesthesiologist. He owns the farm down there and uh, you know, that that's where they're from. And he moved up here to take care of the farm and we were discussing things more. And he mentions, Oh, by the way, he graduated from a place called Columbus high school. And I'm, and I said, wow, you know, how small is the world yeah. where, where the guy that owns the farm up here um, uh, is, is a graduate of the high school that has worked at for 18 years. That's, that's awesome. So there's a lot of natural places. I'm, I, I love being outside. Um, so my favorite thing about Rhode Island is being able to get outside. And there's a lot of nice places to visit and hike and walk around here. Uh, and that's been my favorite part so far. That's awesome, Coach. I'm, well. We're, we in Rhode Island, and Brian's very lucky to have you. If you ever find yourself in Wesley, I live in Wesley, Rhode Island, let me know. I'll take you to some good restaurants, tell you where to go, the good places to go. And I, I know it ain't going to take me long to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely not. Well, if you're originally from Rhode Island, you're going to have to pack, like, a bag, a cooler, and everything like that because <laughs> you're traveling. But, Coach, this has been amazing. I can't thank you enough for uh, making time for me to come on the show, and I appreciate you and your time. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Jeff. And if you have any questions, uh, don't hesitate to give me a call. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. See ya. See ya.
That was my interview with Coach Chris Merritt, the head coach of Bryant University's football. Great interview with him. A lot of fun talking with him about his career. I'm excited for him and Bryant, and I'm sure Bryant's going to be winning some championships with him. And hopefully we can get him back on the show maybe after a game or during the season. It'd be a lot of fun to talk to him once things get really rolling for them. Um, next week, I bring to a great interview for you guys, head coach of Wesley football, Wesley High School football uh, coach Steve Storer. Awesome interview talking to him, getting to know him. He's the new head coach down here in Wesley, so a lot of fun speaking with him and about his career and how he got into football. You guys would definitely enjoy that one. But thank you guys for listening. You guys are the best. I really appreciate you guys. And I hope you guys have a safe rest of the week. See you guys Monday.